Well, welcome back to our podcast here regarding um, champions for NorCal kids. And we, um, Heidi and I, have today a very special guest that I think you will enjoy listening to and hopefully gain some knowledge around some of the things that you can do for self-care, but also just to develop hope. Hope within yourself, hope within your community, hope with the kids that you're with. Um, whether you're a parent or a childcare provider, um, everyone can use a little hope. So I have Aaron Hayes and we're just gonna have a bit of a conversation with him. So um, I'll let Aaron just tell you a little bit about himself. So Aaron, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really glad to be on with you guys today. And um, yeah, so I run a nonprofit here in Shasta County called Catalyst Mentoring. And what we do is we recruit, train and place mentors for kids. But I also have a consulting business and I work a lot with uh, leaders and leadership development. I work a lot with schools and a lot with the business community, just helping people really grow their self-awareness, not only for how they're being experienced by others, uh, but also when they're leading in teams and helping uh, other people grow. How do you develop other others around you, you know? And so um, I love getting to work with people. I'm also just, I've been a lifelong uh, passionate about kids. I've been a, a teacher. I've been a coach. I've been a nonprofit director. Um, I have five kids and I haven't slept in 10 years. So <laughs> I just love getting to work. <laughs> just being real. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, that's what we got to be real. We got to be real. You know, it's, it's a tough <laughs> All the things you just listed are not easy jobs to have and um, throwing kids in the mix can can create even more um, difficulties, not because we don't love them and not because they aren't amazing and wonderful in their own right, but you know, we're trying to teach them and they don't always know and you think they know, but then they do something and you're like, where was your thought process behind this and why did we do this? Yeah. And, so. And somehow your own kids push buttons you didn't know you had. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. And you think, I have so many skills. And yet, I just right. want to <laughs> totally. Aaron, are your, what, are your, what are your range of ages? <clears throat> so, we, uh, my wife and I adopted our oldest. He's 27. We adopted our daughter, Jessie, and she's 14. My son, Toby, is 13. My son, Noah, is 12. And my other son, Wyatt, is 9. So we definitely cover, I'm, and they all live at home. So I'm parenting an adult, I'm parenting a couple teenagers, I'm parenting a couple tweens, and, um, and then my wife parents me. She, she, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah, she deserves an award. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's true. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so, you know, what are some things I think, um, that we could do as far as giving pointers to people around, you know, I kind of like this concept that you've been talking about in our community around leading with hope. And you've done some things on Facebook where you've um, had special guests uh, and I got the honor of being one of those guests. And I think that the topics that you talk about are, are really important. So I, I would like just to have you talk a, a minute about what really looks like to lead with hope and what your vision is around that and how we might be able to participate as people who are listening. Yeah, I think, um, you know, so leading with hope started when COVID started because I had people reaching out to me and saying, 
how are you how are you processing all of this and can you put out some type of content or something to help us because we don't have a lot of hope right now well what they didn't know is i didn't have a lot of hope either <laughs> i was feeling really overwhelmed with the whole thing and so but i realized i have a lot of amazing friends in the community um, who are doing a lot of really great things and so i thought the best way to get hope is to lean into people right now who are continuing to step forward and lead and provide stability. And so I started interviewing these different community and city leaders and I learned so much. And, uh, you know, when you're thinking about leading with hope so often, um, we kind of undermine our own leadership abilities, but sometimes the greatest and first leadership step that you take to lead with hope is to ask for help. So I started reaching out and asking for help from others. Hey, Wendy, what are you doing? And I, I literally, we talked from people in the educational world, the medical world, mental health, social services, finance, law enforcement. I mean, we talked to all kinds of different people, pretty much anyone and everyone who I saw responding to COVID that had a sense of peace. And so I learned quite a few things. One of those things that I learned that was so impactful to me was that, um, you know, people who lead with hope, um, like in the, like COVID for instance, or the fires that we had, these are people that recognize that every major crisis creates unprecedented problems, but they also recognize that every major crisis uh, presents an unprecedented opportunity. And so I was seeing people who are leading with hope, they're the ones who would look for opportunities in the middle of the crisis instead of just caving into being overwhelmed by the problems. Uh, you know, and there's some really cool people who did some cool stuff with that. Like there's a guy uh, up here in Shasta County, his name's John Dix and he owns From the Hearth. And when the fires happened, you know, uh, a couple years ago here, um, he basically was on a trip uh, to Europe. And as he was on this 12 hour flight, he had no idea what was happening. He gets off the airplane and discovers uh, basically our community is burning down. And so he got really upset. He's really overwhelmed. What can I do? I just got on a plane. I should be there. I should be helping, but he was exhausted. And so he wrote a post on social media, which he basically said, I will feed all of the families who are displaced by this fire. And then he proceeded to go to his hotel room and he fell asleep and he woke up uh, eight hours later and he went, what in the heck did I just do? And he went to erase his post, but he discovered that it had been shared 4,000 times. <laughs> so he <What>? couldn't. <laughs> Oops, he, yeah, it's unprecedented problems, right? And but so what happened was is he couldn't step back from it. So he ended up spending $70,000 of his business's money um, just feeding people whose houses had been destroyed in the fires or people who were displaced. And the crazy thing about it was that was a problem that he turned into an opportunity. And he said, Aaron, I spend $70,000, but he said, I want you to know, I like 10 X that in return. People were so loyal. People love from the heart. People are diehards from the heart now because he became known in our community is the man who fed us when our homes were burning. Isn't that crazy? And so I was like, dude, that is what leading with hope looks like. He took an opportunity or he took a problem and he turned it into an opportunity. So 
on a micro scale, what does that look like for us as parents or for us as leaders? So many people right now are so discouraged because it's every day, it's a new problem and it's not a normal problem. It's not just like Susie doesn't like hanging out with Jessica. It, the, the problems are getting heavier because it's been months now of really interesting problems. But if you're gonna lead with hope, you've gotta look for the opportunities. Even if the opportunities are small, hey, you know what? I don't know what's happening either, but I really appreciate who you are and how you still treat people with kindness. You know, little things like that where you flip it to find opportunities. So that podcast, by the way, for Leading with Hope with John Dix, if you want to listen to it, is called Becoming a Possibilitarian because John has become a possibilitarian. Every time a crazy problem shows up, he's like, all right, what, what's possible? What can we do? So when COVID showed up for John, he was really discouraged, but he had fused that idea of finding possibilities into his team. So he was ready to shut down from the hearth. And his team was like, we can't shut this down. You're John Dix. We have to find a possibility. What could we do? And so within 72 hours, they created uh, an online marketplace where they featured other local businesses like Mosley Family Sellers Wine and all this stuff where people could shop uh, through an app at, from the hearth. So he took the problem, he turned it into an opportunity, but when that happened, the second round, it wasn't, the fires was him, the second round, it was his team. So hope is contagious, right? Like all now his team's looking for possibilities. So cool. Yeah, I love that word, possibilitarian. I think you get a coin that. I was gonna say too. <laughs> I think I heard it on some um, TED Talk podcast a couple years ago, and I was like, I'm grabbing that. Like, right? I want to be a possibilitarian. You know, Alison Gopnik, who is a great early childhood researcher, said, uh, is quoted as saying, you know, infants are little scientists, right? We're born little scientists. Well, now I'm like, well, maybe we're just born little possibilitarians. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Totally. Because you're They're like, hey, what? You're what? building possibility, right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Because they have no restraints. They're not thinking that you can't do this, you can't do that. What will people think? They're like, eh, I don't really need this shirt. Poof. Right. What would happen if I put mud on my what face? What is this useful for? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mom gave me yogurt. I should paint with it. I mean, that's right. exactly, you know. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> and it also reminds me of great family child care providers, great, you know, aunts, uncles, neighbors that children are just drawn to they're the they're the adults who see the fun in all the very small possibilities and yeah. it makes sense. I wonder if we don't really capitalize on that skill set specifically from our early childhood workforce like yeah do they really see themselves as leaders we are great at teachable moments which really means we are possibilitarians right yeah I love that you know I think the other piece that um is also true and very poignant is the fact that hope is contagious, right? So when you are a hopeful care provider or parent, that is contagious within your children and the adults are, that are surrounding your children, right? And so, you know, when you said that, it, it really resonated very deeply for me because I think hope is something we have to continually build into our community and into our families, um, yeah. but it's contagious. Um, and you look at things on the brighter side, you're typically going to have children who are, are similar to that. So yeah, yeah. And I think like culturally, like we, 
Um, we're so attracted to stories. It's why we love movies so much, but like some of our most beloved characters when it comes to stories are people like Mary Poppins, you know, pe people who anything is possible. And when that is in the air, when anything is possible, um, it brings the best out in us. Now, we know this also because the opposite is also true. You know, if you're a negative Nancy, sorry if your name's Nancy out there, but if every time- That's the new name being used. Yeah, <laughs> but if every, yeah, Nancy or whatever it is, Karen, if you're a negative Karen out there, you know, like, um, and whenever problems come up, you roll with the problem in a negative way, you go, well, we might as well give up. You, you partner with a fixed mindset, which is, which basically the idea of a fixed mindset is if I can't do it now, then I can never do it. Right. Carol Dweck wrote this amazing book. Um, and it's all about this idea of getting to this place where you can have a not yet mindset. So maybe I can't do it yet, but I will be able to do it in the future if I work and if I challenge myself and if I keep showing up to keep trying new things and being a possibilitarian. And so, um, you know, when people are negative, we automatically feel it and it like deflates the room. And you don't want to be that. You don't want to be that for kids. You don't want to be that as a parent. Um, but it takes work, you know, you've got to really be aware of how am I feeling right now? Like, really, what does it take to be a possibilitarian? What am I feeling right now? And is my first thought, I can't do that? Or is my first thought, I wonder what's possible? And that just shifts your whole mindset. So what do you suggest if somebody is taking the first step and thinking, Hmm, what am I thinking right now? And what they think is, I can't do that. How do you shift that? Like, how do you make that move? Yeah. And so if you have, if you have that shift, you have that mindset, you go, what can I do different? But I feel like I can't do it. My next question that I would encourage you to ask is, who do I know that does it well? And so like, this is the thing is like, there's, okay, I had an amazing conversation today with my friend Melanie who works for me. She is my ad, we call her the admin superhero for my nonprofit. <laughs> I could never do what Melanie does. Like if Melanie got famous and our role switched, I would be the worst personal assistant in the history of the world. Right? And we were dying laughing about this because if our role switched, she would probably do okay with what I'm doing. I would completely blow it at what she's doing. But I regularly run into moments where like we have someone on our team who's looking to buy a house. And so they, they're, um, whoever they're doing their, their lending through reached out to me to do a job verification and they needed all this information about her and how much she makes and, and all this stuff. And I literally wasted probably five to 10 hours looking around for all this stuff. And finally I was like getting really frustrated and I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm just going to call Melanie. So I, I think like if people, if you feel that, where you feel overwhelmed, you're like, I look for possibilities. I couldn't find her. I don't think I could do it. It's okay. Who do you know? Who do you goes, know that you can reach out to? Yeah, I think, I think that goes too to what you were saying earlier, which is ask for help, right? So yeah. go to who you know, and they can help you kind of see the pathway, right? Like, I think you can, you can really um, find value in 
really using your team around you, using your village. And I think, you know, I mentioned this a lot, but I really believe that in the past when we utilized our village to support each other, we were yes. more successful and we didn't have these feelings of defeated purpose in life as often, right? And so I think if you are willing to find who's good and you use the strengths of your team, right? Like everyone has a strength and not everyone's gonna have every strength, Right. That's okay. That's what makes us humans and makes us diverse. And so finding someone who does have that and can help you um, find the way that you can get there um, is going to be a really great asset to your team. So yeah, and, and so many people too, like, you know, why do we not ask for help? We feel ashamed, or we feel stupid, you know, or, you know, it really goes back to these personal issues of identity where um, if you're in the context of a safe team, teammates ask for help. And so it's cool because if you don't have that safety on your team yet, that is something that you don't have to be the top leader to start developing. And the way that you develop this in others, whether you're the person at the top, whether you're just getting started, is you can be the person who's humble enough to be like, I, hey, could someone help me with this? I'm not really sure how to do it. But what that does is it gives permission for everyone else to literally mirror you. You know, like we have mirror neurons in our brain, like it's monkey see, monkey do. We just don't realize how much of a reality that is. So we know it's true with kids because if you smile at a baby, it'll probably smile back at you, right? If yeah. you make a mean face to a baby, it'll probably scrunch up its face to you. So, but the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true for us as adults, too, and we don't realize it. If we put out negativity, you'll probably get negativity back. And so um, we have an opportunity just to lead by example, even if it's just being humble and asking for help. It's true. And I think, you know, th that brings up those mirror neurons. You know, I think it, it's true when all the things we've been just talking about, which is, you know, providing hope, you know, if you're hopeful, those mirror neurons, I think, you know, people don't understand sometimes how um, much we actually do put off chemical responses. And, you know, I'm not going to get too far in the weeds around those neurotransmitters and the chemical responses that we emit. But I think it's, it's just important for people to realize that your negativity can breed other negativity. And part of that is just, you know, have you ever walked into a room and felt like this real tension, it, it's because you're feeling their transmission of that. And so, you know, it's, true for positivity too. And so if we can try and stay there and, and we're all human, so we're going to have moments in time where we're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that to my kid. We're, you know, so being, being um, a little bit, you know, um, giving yourself permission to be human, I think is important as well. And, and knowing Absolutely. that asking for help does not mean you don't know things or that you're not of worth. It means that you know that other people have skills that may not be your skill set, and that's okay. We all, again, have different skill sets. Especially you moms out there. I mean, in whether you're a working mom, uh, you know, or whether you're a caregiver, and you really are, especially when you're working with young kids, you are a mother type figure, you know, give yourself some grace. Like, it, people are, and kids are feeling stress and strain right now that they may not have words for, but they're acting on it. And this is a time that if you can give yourself grace, what happens is it 
it will be felt by the people around you and then they will extend grace back towards you sometimes after a messy moment what's that and to themselves we want to model giving grace and forgiving ourselves for not knowing everything so that our children can forgive themselves for not knowing everything too right absolutely and i think that one of those pieces about asking for help we have to remember to ask our children for help too right whether it's the children in your care or your personal children as a family or just saying gosh I'm learning, I'm trying, I don't have all the answers, what else can I do for you? Even to three and four year olds, because to model that it's always a journey is modeling hope. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's such a core thing for kids um, at a very early age is to know how to ask for help and to not feel bad about it. And so when you see your mom or your dad um, be really, straightforward and be like, wow, I, I, this is hard for me. I better get some help. You know, I mean, you can literally sing song it, you know, like I like when my wife would do that when my kids were little, she had like that sing songy voice, like, wow, I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I should ask for help. Maybe dad could help me. You know, and it's like those little moments though, they add up. It, a lot of times we think as parents, we messed up one moment. It's one moment's not as important as the frequency of lots of small moments that add up. Lots of small moments. And so give yourself grace. If you mess up one, it doesn't mean you've lost the whole war. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. So what you you mentioned possibilitarians and I, I you know we we obviously love that term and think that that is one of the greatest terms and hope hope is another key um, element to all of this. What are some other things that you think um, are helpful to people in leading their lives in a hopeful manner or in making sure that they're developing some skills that will create self care for themselves and the community and their children. Um, I think, you know, I go back always in thinking about how do I want my community to look and what do I want to see in the families that I um, am a part of outside of my own nuclear family and what do I want for my own nuclear family? Um, what are some thoughts you have? Yeah, um, one of the things that I talk a lot with people about is this um, idea of the word burnout. You know, burnout is kind of a... Um, a cuss word for some people like I'm not burned out you are you know no one wants to take ownership <laughs> over it yeah it's like don't tell me I'm burned out unless you want to fight me but right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I you know like leaders great leaders don't cast blame they take responsibility and I think self-care is a place where we really if you want to live with hope you have to take yourself seriously you have to give your personal, physical, um, emotional, spiritual parts of who you are, you have to give it value. And you, if you will, there's the old adage of you've got to put your air mask on first. If the plane is going down, you put your air mask on first before you put others on because otherwise you're going to pass out and you won't be able to help anybody. So it's really true when it comes to self-care. And so a lot of the work that I do with leaders is helping people um, really get serious about their self-care. How do I take care of myself to prevent burnout? And there's really three areas that we help people um, basically gain the ability to self-assess with. The first one is fuel. What are the things that I'm putting in me 
that motivate and activate my moral compass in life. My podcast, my coaches, my, maybe it's, it's my church, um, maybe it's exercising. What are the things that, that fuel me up? What's that? Say it again. Say what fuel is, because that was, that was amazing. Yeah, fuel is whatever you put into your heart and fuels whatever you put into your mind that motivates and activates your moral compass in life. So, you know, a lot of people think like vacation, you know, I, I work hard all year and then I'm going to go and I'm going to take a vacation and it's going to fuel me up for the other 350 days of the year. <laughs> and it's like, this is such a ridiculous mindset to think that we can just escape somehow to Cancun or we're going to go to Lake Tahoe for five days and the other 360 days, we're going to treat our bodies and our minds and our spirits like garbage. I'm, con I'm like pretty convinced when it comes to burnout, a huge reason why people burn out is because they don't know how to regularly, regularly fuel themselves up. It's like if I drive my car and I expect to drive it 300 days and then five days out of the year, I'm going to fuel it up. I will not be going anywhere very fast, right? <laughs> but we do this. We do this. And so we just try and encourage people like, hey, take your fuel seriously. And we help people self-assess that. I'm actually building a whole 16-session um, e-course with group coaching just to help people process through this because um, right now there's so many people burning out because COVID happened and all of these things are happening and then you get stressed out and then you get into this reactive part of your brain where you're no longer forward thinking and planning and so you're all reaction you're not forward thinking planning and then you forget the first thing you forget to do is take care of yourself you forget to go to the gym you forget to read the book you forget to go to church you forget to do the things that kept you healthy in the first place, and then you're completely caught off guard because you've been running around like a chicken with your head cut off, and you don't know why you feel like crap. <laughs> you don't know why you feel depressed. You don't know why you feel discouraged. And so um, one of the most important things you can do is look at your fuel. And when you look at your fuel, don't think, how can I fuel up in 300 days when I go to Cancun? Think, what is something I can do every day that motivates, that activates, and that inspires my moral compass in life? You know, so for me, um, I had injured my back years ago uh, at a different job. And so I couldn't exercise for a lot of years and I gained a bunch of weight. And so I was the heaviest I'd ever been because every time I'd go to exercise again, I would re-injure my back and I couldn't exercise. So... For a while, I was finding other ways to get fueled up, but my back finally healed and exercise is a huge way for me. So every day um, I try and exercise, the minimum is 20 minutes, but my goal is to sweat. So like, um, you know, I do just body weight calisthenics um, or I go for, um, I take my wife on a walk, you know? Um, so some people take their dogs on a walk. I'm not saying my wife is a dog, but when I take her, she's actually, she's beautiful. So hear me out. When I take her for a walk, she is the happiest person in our house. And she literally says it. She's like, you need to take me for a walk. I'm like, oh, okay, sorry. Like, let, let's go. But I'll go and we walk and we speed walk. We, um, we're walking, we're moving. 
We're walking to the point that when we step back into the house, we're sweating. The goal is to sweat. But what that does is physiologically, it's good for your body. It's also good for your brain because it's flooding endorphins into your brain and into your body. And guess what that does? It makes you feel better. And when you feel better, you make better decisions. And when you make better decisions, people like you more. And when people like you more, your confidence builds. And when your confidence builds, people notice it. And when people notice it, they give you promotions. And when people give you promotions, you make more money. And when you make more money, you go on more trips to Cancun. So now you can have a tan, but you also know how to be healthy the rest of the year. Right? But I think the other piece to all that, that you, when you're talking about walking your wife, um, I think the, the, the other part is sometimes it's about connectivity with people, right? So sometimes the oh. food you need is about the connectivity, which has been difficult for some people during the time of the COVID. Um, but I think that the piece yeah. around that connectivity is of equal importance um, to sometimes the exercise, right? And so it's that combination of that exercise and having someone who enjoys the same thing as you doing it with you, um, yeah. regardless of whether you're actually talking or not, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that shoulder to shoulder time is so important. I just don't want you guys to think that fuel is only about exercise. It's right. also about reading books. It's also about maybe taking time to journal. Fuel looks different for everyone. It looks different for everyone. But what's important is you need to touch fuel every day somehow. Every day somehow, even if it's a small way, maybe you keep a gratitude journal next to your bed. And the first thing you do when you wake up, is write down two or three things that you're gratitude that you feel grateful for or right before you go to bed or maybe you have a book that's helping you learn right now or maybe you have a podcast that you listen to whatever you do you should touch fuel at the beginning of your day or at the end of your day and preferably both even if it's just for a couple of minutes because it sets you up for success because where we focus is where we tend to go have you ever tried to run um, with, with, your, um, with your head sideways, like just trying to run but stare sideways? I dare you to try it. You'll start moving the direction you're looking. Yeah, it's and then, true. And then we you'll fall over. That. Yeah, we talk about that in bowling, actually, because wherever <laughs> you're looking, you, you end up throwing the ball that way. So right. same with pitching in a baseball game, right? Like if you are not concentrating where you're supposed to be looking, wherever you are looking is the direction you're going to go for sure. Yeah, if you ask an eight-year-old or younger to run with their belly button pointed any direction, but where they're going, it's not happening, right? right. <laughs> uh, going. I, I wanted to ask you because, uh, so fuel is different for everybody. I think that's a huge piece, right? And then I think about like teams that I've led and thinking about embedding the opportunity for fuel for in a team, whether it be a team of at you know social workers or a team of um, pediatricians or nurses or childcare providers, how do you, like do you have suggestions for how do you embed the flexibility of different types of fuel and opportunities for that within the team? Am I yeah. Making <laughs> well, well, so everyone's different. Everyone's day looks different. The the pediatrician's day is going to look different from. Um, you know, from your day, it's going to look different for everyone. I think what's important is 
fuel happens, how can I say this? Good fuel is found by diligent um, planning. So like fuel is not haphazard. So a lot of us treat getting fueled up in a very random sort of a way. It's kind of like, boy, I'm really hoping something happens today to fill me up. And so what happens is it will randomly, you'll get filled up, but the rest of the time you're floundering. So what we try to encourage people to do is actually plan it into your day. Create sacred space where, and I say sacred because what I mean is like special times and places where others cannot interrupt it because it's too, it's too important. And so create special space that others can't touch especially at the beginning or at the end of your day. And it'll cost you. It'll absolutely cost you because you might have to get up 30 minutes earlier or you might have to stay up 30 minutes later. Um, like in my case, um, my mornings kept getting jacked up. So I literally was exercising right before I was going to bed. You know, I'd exercise, get all hot and sweaty, then go take a shower and then go to bed. But I had committed that I was going to get my fuel every single day, no matter what, right? And what happens is when you do that, it begins to shift your mindset to fuel's not happening to me randomly. Fuel is something I make happen. I go get it. And people who feel like fuel happens to me will always be more prone to burnout. They're prone to be more discouraged and they feel like life is happening to them instead of them happening to life. And the difference is in one simple thing. I create space for fuel versus I hope fuel happens to me. And so it doesn't matter if you're a pediatrician or if you're a stay at home mom, or if you're out working as a parent support provider, it doesn't matter what position you're in, you have to create space for it. And the things that we care about the most are the things we create space for. So what's funny is we'll create space for all kinds of other things, but we don't create space for ourselves. And that can be really a tough reality to face when I go, oh, maybe I don't, maybe I need to deal with the fact that I don't like myself very much, you know, and then that becomes really painful, but it's the, the key to breaking through to actually getting fuel is if I really value myself, I'm going to create space and time to put myself on the agenda as number one. I take care of me first. My air mask goes on first so I can take care of others. Yeah, you have to fill your bucket. Uh, you know, um, I think people hear that and, and they know what that means. And if your bucket has holes in it, it's hard to fill it um, yeah. for one. But if you don't have a full bucket, you can't give any of your bucket away <laughs> either. So, you know, I think you have to be conscientious of all of those pieces. And I think sometimes we forget that there are things we could be choosing differently in life um, so that we can get that fuel. I think sometimes we're not making opportunities. We don't believe we have the time, but I loved how you just explained that it's really about making what's important to you have the time. Um, sometimes, you know, I realize, but why am I sitting here on the couch watching this silly TV show that means nothing to me? Um, right. Instead of doing what's filling my bucket, which is, you know, making sure I reach out to a friend or making sure I ride my Peloton bike because that's what I did during COVID. And, you know, I mean, whatever it is that you need to fill your bucket. Yeah. And add fuel. 
Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, it's a, it is, it is a choice and you have to kind of commit. You have to be able to envision yourself. If you can't see yourself doing it, you won't do it. Right. You've got to give, uh, you've got to give yourself permission and um, opportunity to be able to follow through with what you're hoping for. So if it's exercise, you've got to go, Hey, every evening at this time, I'm going to do this. You know, if it's reading a book or if it's journaling, you know, my, my wife for a while, cause our kids are always mom is the most famous popular person in our house. Literally wherever she goes, I know where she's at because there's a couple kids outside the door. Usually someone's crying and there's at least two dogs. Right. Right. So, so it's like, where's mom? Just look for dogs or look for the kids. You know, but there was a time where like she'd lock herself in the bathroom and um, I knew she was going to the bathroom, which really meant she was probably reading a book. <laughs> <laughs> good for her. Good for her. You know? Sometimes you need to do that and they're safe. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I would, and I would be like, okay, Hey, like this is your time. Like, you know, go for it. <laughs> so. So, we have, so we have two things left. One is I just want to give you, you an opportunity to say, any final thoughts that you would think that would be helpful to the listeners and um, any information you think might be helpful, including, you know, contact information so we can make sure we get it into um, the description of the podcast as well as, you know, people can hear it. Um, and then I'm going to have Heidi ask you our five uh, rapid fire questions, five for five. Anyway, oh, okay. so. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, uh, if you're listening to this right now, the truth is, is that you are facing challenges that are unprecedented. Uh, it's unprecedented in our world. Um, it's unprecedented for, for those of us who are helpers. You know, so many of us are in a helper position right now, and it's never mattered more that you take care of yourself. It's never mattered more that you pay attention to your self-care and to how you're getting fuel. And, um, so right now is the time for you to take that seriously and prioritize yourself. Don't forget about that kind of the imagery of putting on that air mask first. This is how you lead with hope. This is how you really protect your most valuable asset, which is you. Because if you're not good, if you're not healthy, if you're not leading with hope, it's going to be impacting everyone who's following you. And some of you may not think that you're much of a leader, but I'm telling you, if you're within a family unit, you are a leader because we watch each other and we mimic each other. And so you have this huge opportunity to lead with hope simply by taking care of yourself. So this is stuff that I love to talk about. I love to do leadership coaching. I love to work with, with um, leaders, whether you're the executive director or you're a person who wants to grow. I, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching and training. Uh, I also do a lot of workshops with teams and uh, you can get a hold of me at aaronhayesconsulting.com. Um, and I've just been building that website. So that'll be probably up by the time this podcast is out. Um, you can also, um, from that website, or you can look it up, we're going to be launching an e-course um, called Reignite. And so it's reignitetoday.com and you can get access to our Reignite course where we really walk you through um, the three pillars that will help you to really deal with burnout. So if you're in burnout, get out. If you're next to burnout, get away from it. 
And if you're starting your career to help you build a foundation so that you don't have to get burnt out, so that you can keep your passion and, and your love for people on fire, so that you can serve people with all of your potential. So that's called Reignite. So that's reignitetoday.com. Um, that course is actually, we're going to be launching that in October. And this is a unique time because we're going to be um, doing this course for a very low price because we're going to be beta testing a bunch of our content. So if you want to get involved with that and learn more, uh, you can email me, uh, Aaron at AaronHayesConsulting.com. And uh, I'd love to be able to answer any questions and get you connected to uh, that e-course. Or if you guys want to do some like group training or leadership development coaching, I'd love to do that as well. So I love helping the helpers. It's like my life mission. I want You're to help those amazing at it. Thank awesome. you, Wendy. You're you awesome. are too. So thank well, you guys. Thank you. Um, you I, I really, um, if you have an opportunity to um, be a part of anything that Aaron is doing, I highly, highly recommend it. So um, do you want to do rapid five for five? I do. All right. And, all right. Here's five questions because both Wendy and I are directors of local first five commissions. And so um, this obviously is about championing for children and so we can help our community. So to drill down that first five, here we go. Your favorite children's book that you can remember? Um, the Cat's Pajamas. Love it. Your favorite leadership book? Oh, that's really, really hard. Um, right now I'm reading The Ideal Team Player by Pat Lencioni. I really love that one. I don't think I've read that. I'm gonna write that down. You'll love it. All right, so we all are about talk, read, sing. Your favorite children's song? Favorite children's song? Oh boy, I don't even know. Um, favorite children's song? London Bridges, I don't know. <laughs> How about your nine-year-old's favorite song right now? We could do that too. <laughs> I don't know because they're listening. They're listening to some song I've never heard of. They've got it on repeat. Oh, Baby Yoda. They love the Baby Yoda song. Have you heard that? Well, yes. you the shark one. The shark one kills me. <laughs> oh, it gets stuck in your brain. It's the worst ever. Right? Or we're developing neurons. Either, either right, good or bad. Right. right. Um, okay, so... We really talked a lot about this already, but um, we have five protective factors and one of them is resilience. So your favorite resilience strategy that you personally use? Uh, my favorite resilience strategy is playing basketball with my brother. Yes, and you did amazing. Yes, I, we, I, we, I loved playing basketball when I was a kid growing up. It was like, if everything could be going bad at home, but we'd go out and shoot hoops. And then COVID happened and he moved back to town. And so we've been shooting hoops almost every night and I'm like man I, I smile more I'm happier I'm losing some weight and we wore out the net on our basketball hoops so I had a bragging picture I posted on social media because I was feeling really proud of myself as you should but again you know all about play for children and play for adults so that they can be present for children so what's your favorite way to play um, I love doing art with my, uh, with my kids. I like doing art. I like to do, I paint and stuff like that. And so um, getting to do creative crafts and stuff with my kids is really fun. Awesome. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, five for five, you did it. You did amazing. Um, you're lucky we didn't make you sing the London Bridges song. I'm just saying. I know. That was awesome. Oh, man. It is really kind of good. Yeah. yeah. This, song, this song killed me. I was like, I don't know. All my kids, my youngest is nine now, so I can't remember what songs I sing in. I, that's perfect. I, yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much, Aaron. We really do appreciate um, all that you offered today in this segment and um, the great advice and points that you um, gave us uh, to take away um, and begin to utilize. And we, I just appreciate, honestly, all the things you do for the community as well. It's um, amazing and the hope that you fill the community with. So appreciate your leadership and your hope-filled messages. So thank, oh, thank you. you so much. It was an honor being on this podcast and um, I love getting to help people. So Wendy, getting to be a part of this community and connect with you has been a totally awesome treat for me. And even in Tehama County, because I got to hang out in Tehama County a little bit. So I love what you guys are doing and thank you for your work as well. Yes. Well, we will invite you back for sure. So we'll do something in Cottonwood yeah. on the county line. Someday when we can be face to face, right? Hey, I live in <laughs> South County, so that's not that far from me. All right. <laughs> it's true. You do. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Bye, guys.